Hi everybody, welcome to Inspiring African Travel. This is James here and you're listening to Series 3 and we're just rattling through the episodes here. I can't keep, uh, I can't keep track so uh, we're just happy to have you along. If this is your first time listening to Inspiring African Travel, where have you been? Uh, if you love traveling around Africa, if you love the travel industry, if you just enjoy listening to interesting stories from people involved in tourism, you're definitely at the right place. Uh, this episode, we are going to try something a little different. We're actually going to explore an area of Botswana that is a little less known to many visitors that actually come on safari to this country. Amongst thousands and thousands of square kilometers of flat Kalahari desert, you find two world heritage sites. The iconic Okavango Delta, which many people are familiar with, and the lesser known Tzodilo Hills. The Tzodilo Hills are situated a a very short drive away from the Okavango Panhandle, which is the large Kavango River, which then begins to fan out to form the delta. We spent the day with a local guide here by the name of Lopang Mojanga. His family were descendants of the very first river bushmen who settled in the area thousands of years ago. Other than being the pinnacle point of Botswana that towers over 400 meters above the Kalahari Desert, Tadilo Hills are an incredibly significant cultural site, not just in Botswana, but throughout Africa. The area is home to some of the largest concentrations of ancient rock art in the world. So in this episode, we are going to explore together with Lopang and document our trip hiking up to the top of Botswana, the highest peak. And this remarkable guide, Lopang, he's a lovely young man and we really hope you'll enjoy this journey as we document the ancient rock art as we hike. I'll be sharing a little bit of information uh, at certain points throughout the podcast. One thing that's important to note, if you're listening to this on the podcast format, please feel free to head over to YouTube where there'll be video images and video complementing together with this podcast episode. So if you want to see the visuals of us puffing and panting and the amazing views that we got from the top of the hill, of course, as well as the beautiful rock art, it's well worth heading over to our YouTube channel. So go and search Inspiring African Travel, and hopefully you just can't miss it. So without further ado, let's get started from when we all met up at the public campsite just below the Tzodilo Hills, and headed off for our epic hike to the top of Botswana. When we say epic hike, let's just gloss over the fact that Lopang actually reached the summit in a record time of 35 minutes. So it is not what you would call Everest proportions, but it certainly wasn't easy. Anyway, do enjoy. So here we are, we've just arrived at the base of Tudilo Hills. We're at the official camping site, um, which is really cool. It's uh, amazing amount of uh, mayors parrots everywhere calling um, lots of gray luries bird life is amazing because they're clearly drawn to the uh, the small bits of uh, bird baths and water holes that they've got going here um, 
so the bird life is just amazing and then you're just at the base of these huge hills that tower over you in this flat landscape it's just such an amazing uh, setting all right so we've just set off we've been climbing from the base of the male hill that's the highest summit out of the Tsudilo Hills, the male hill. The, uh, today we'll be climbing about 400 meters. So it's around 1,400 meters to the top um, above sea level. But from the base of the hill, we're looking at about uh, 400 meters. So yeah, it's, uh, it's around 10 o'clock in the morning. Actually, it's 10.30, and uh, fortunately, it's the middle of winter, which in Botswana is very, uh, very agreeable. And you don't want to be climbing at this time of the day in about a month or two's time when summer starts to, uh, to reach us because it's very bare-faced rock, and uh, the temperatures will be exceeding 30 degrees by, by then. So as, a, as of today, there's a nice cool breeze probably reaching just about 22 degrees celsius so more than agreeable but still hot and um, so if you are going to climb this mountain in summer you're best off leaving at the crack of dawn as early as you can and obviously if you do that you might have the opportunity to catch sunrise on top of this hill which must be so breathtaking as it is, climbing is breathtaking enough, as you can tell from my slightly shortened breath. Fortunately, I'm really fit, so it's not a problem at all. Yeah. Lopang, our guide, has just told us we are nowhere yet. We still have a long way to go. As you, as you climb higher and higher, you really start to appreciate how special it is to be so elevated in what is just thousands and thousands of kilometers of flat Kalahari sand and to be able to climb up these these hills up a mountain situated in the, in the middle of all of this you really you really start to appreciate how vast and open this place is how nice it is to get so high up there there's the summit nearly there that's the point hey we made it guys yeah. Yeah. top of Botswana the top of Botswana there it is all right, put it there. We need the flag. Well done, brother. <laughs> we need a Botswana flag. Right. Yo. We okay. made it. I thought I wouldn't make it. Ah. Oh, I think it wasn't that hard. MC, you were born in the 70s. This is the first time you've come to the top of Botswana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Look at that. Well, once we got to the top of the male hill, 
we couldn't help just taking in the views and just taking a moment to view the miles and miles of endless Kalahari Desert. I mean, you really felt quite insignificant on the planet uh, sitting on top of this hill in the Kalahari Desert. Um, so we sat there, we had a bit of dried meat and a little sandwich and a couple of uh, sips, large sips of water. And we took the opportunity to to sit with Lepang in a little area sheltered by the wind and really talk to him about the significance of these hills, not just geologically, but of course the spiritual significance of the area. And wow, what a setting for an interview this was. Uh, so let's pick up from that moment when we chatted to him up there. Okay, so now we're at the top, Lepang. Yes. Can, can you... Before we talk about the spirituality and the, the ancient rock art. Yes. Geologically. Yeah. How come, you know, in hundreds of kilometers in every direction it's completely flat? Yeah. And we have these, these hills that appear like here. Like what is the geological explanation behind it? Okay. Um, I will talk about um, the, the eruption that it occurs where the magma is not that thick. The magma weights less than then the volcanic occurs so that it can push that magma then it erupts but mm -hmm. it wasn't a heavy one it was a mid heavy one but not really heavy one so what's the what is the spiritual significance of this area um i would talk about the rain making rituals because mm. um, people were coming up here like to do those rituals because they'll feel like they're above everything they're above everyone so it's a good place where just you can just speak to God and nobody to interrupt your request. Mm. Yeah. So the Bushmen would come here would from come all here. around? They would come up here, not from the way we did. Mm. They used to be right from the, the other side, from the steep side, which is shorter than that one to come mm. up here. Mm. Then they would just come for rituals, like speaking to God. Like my special, like specific people, I would say the shaman, the medicine man. Mm. Yeah. Those I are the people who would come. For those, for those rituals. Yeah. And then go back to, to the, nomadic life or wherever they come from. Exactly. Because here they camped for brief periods. But they were first anatomically modern humans to inhabit here. Then because of they, they really lived here for a bit long time. Because mm. also as they were living, they were still heading back on their settlements. I would mention two sides, Numa and Duvuyu side. Sides of the hills, uh, but at the at the, the female hill, oh yeah, where they settled, mm. yeah. But the last time they settled, there was around eight hundred and fifty AD. Eight hundred and fifty AD. AD yes. Was the the last records of was the last records where those people were still living there, uh -huh. and it's an Iron Age site. Also, uh -huh. Yeah, where the Bantus as they came here, they had a butter trade with them. They traded uh -huh. with everything with them. So why did they move away after that? Um, I would say they didn't move, uh. but there's a tribe from the Kun tribe, which are the descendants that are living now permanently mm. in Tordino. Is that, that that tribe is one of the oldest tribes, and then it's just disappeared. Then from that tribe, the Junasi came from that tribe, uh -huh. which is the, the, the another group that came from the same tribe that used to inhabit here. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So when all these people, the shamans and the different um, communities would come here, yeah. Th that is why they did the paintings? Is that what they come from? Because people... What, what, is the, what is the significance behind the actual paintings itself? Uh -huh. The paintings, they were done for human occupation. 
or I would say they were done for like more like a communication with the incoming generations or with the moving people that this this was the life that we were living or these are the animals that used to be seen around. So, and from the painters, the depiction, you can see the human figures where they painted themselves sometimes naked, mm. sometimes female only. Mm. So those ones, we call them dancy penises, which is more like initiation. They were representing initiation. They were having their initiation done yes, here? Yes, yeah. They were, they, were, they were practicing initiation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then there's other paintings of animals, of course, that is just depicting the traditional way of life these animals that some of the respective animals such like an eland or a giraffe because they were treating those animals like such like a wife or a woman so it's, it's highly believed that if they they use the fats from an eland to lotion a woman before they give it to men they believe that they are increasing the beauty to that lady oh wow yes so that's the significance that's of the depicting the eland the elands yeah that's why they paint a lot of elands because the eland was such like a respective animal on the tribe of the Bushmen. Yeah. Because they don't just leave their shelters and go hunt it. They first have to agree that um, should we kill it or not because wow. it was more like sacred to them. So an eland fat, you'd cover the woman's body? Like from the face. Wow. From the face. And also those fats, they are used like in medicinal ways by the shaman. It's interesting. Uh, and what about... Um, I mean, there's all kinds of things. There's giraffe. I mean, there's too many to talk about. But yeah. what I find interesting is that uh, there's paintings of, like, penguins. They look like penguins. Are they really yes. penguins? Yes, they are penguins. They are penguin in royal pictures. Wow. And I would talk about that nomadic life. Because that living was the hunting and gathering life. So they traveled a lot. By their time, there were no barriers, there were no borders yeah. that would limit their travel. So in Namibia, there's a coast of uh, the coast today where the, the penguin and whales, they could be visible. And also they traveled to the Indian Ocean where they got beats. So I think uh, from that travel, they passed by other sites where there's whales and penguins. Luckily, they saw a whale blowing water like as they draw it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my question is, um, were these very same bushmen that were painting these pictures, were they the ones that saw themselves, the penguins and the whales? Or were they getting those images and those information from other because how how far do you have to go to get to the coast of namibia from here uh, thousands um, of kilometers no? exactly but i don't think that thousand of kilometers uh we would say it's 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 far it's not far from the living that they had because they were not just moving directly to the one coast. Day, yeah, they were just yeah. going like with settlements before they reached there maybe it takes them for about i would say maybe a year or two years or six months or something because they, they just go by settling in different sites. Mm. Then I think then they would have an access of to reach it and see the life they... I think I find that amazing to think of people moving all the way across to the coast and coming back to a place of... Yeah. Like, yeah, just for me, it's amazing. Yeah. And they're so preserved, eh? Like the quality of these paintings here, I tell you. It looks like they would have done 100 years ago. But could be how many how many years ago? Yeah, we would say they they have an access of seventy thousand according to the life that they spent here. They were here hundred thousand years ago, which means by the time they settled here, that was the time that they did all this. And um, the paint is to exist this longer is the minerals from rocks, the hematite and the calcrete that makes the paint is to be like they're part of rocks. Mm. And um, 
They were so clever, most of the paintings they are painted on the northwest side to avoid the rainy that comes from the southeast and the, the yeah. wind and stuff. So, but the mixer is the hematite, charcoal, calcrete, fats, urine, and the blood. Okay, where do they get, how do they get the, the hematite? Um, when you do the lion trail, yeah, there's a site where they have mined from a rock. Got it. The way just bending like at the, the front part or the first <coughs> layer mm. that is really hard. Then they chop it, dig more deeper, then they will find uh, the more like iron rocks. Then that, that's how they got it. They did a, a bit of mining. Mining, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you mix it with uh, fat, yeah. blood, and calcrete. Calcrete. Charcoal. Charcoal. Yeah. Urine from the blood of an animal. Oh, wow. Yeah. We know that there were people here from around 70,000 years. Around hundred thousand, hundred thousand years, yeah. and there, some of those paintings could be as old as that time we were here. So I think that's why this place is a UNESCO World Heritage yeah, Site because that is deeply significant. Exactly to be in the presence of human art, yes, dating back yes. up to a hundred thousand years, and yes. it's, uh, but some of them could be younger, right? I mean, obviously, yes, they um, span that whole period, so yes. can you tell which ones are which? Uh, no, mm. not really, because um, they've been like dated with the same age, but not many that they, mm. they are done at the same time. No, they've been done with different times, but all been dated on the same age. No, that's, that's cool. And when did it become a World Heritage Site? 2001. Mm. was listed as the World Heritage Site in 2001. Okay. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Because theoretically, yeah. theoretically, this is one of the few places in the world yes. where the Tsodilo Hills World Heritage Site meets yeah. the Okavango yes. World Heritage Site. Yes. The other place in the world is uh, Great Barrier Reef meets the Daintree Rainforest. Yeah. Um, but they touch, they meet. It's very difficult to say well, where yeah. does it touch or meet. Yeah. But it, you can at least say that this is the one one of the few places in the world where they meet because they're, they're, they're adjacent to each other. Because yes, the Okavango yeah. is just yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, do you want some more water? Yeah, yeah my you bottle. Can. Here. Oh, okay, cool. It's fine. Just, just the kilograms here. <laughs> okay, let's go. After we'd finished the interview on top of the hill and scrambled our way down the slope back to the bottom of the male hill, we actually skirted along the lion trail, which takes you past a beautiful set of rock art, obviously one of the prominent animals being um, a female lion, and also an area where they used where they used to mine some of the minerals they would use to mix with the blood and the fats and so forth that would end up being their paint for this rock art. And so we just stopped at this particular painting uh, of the lioness just to talk about it and analyze it um, and just to spend some time seeing how they pre preserved, how one ages them and so forth. So, so here below there seems to be something. Yeah. What is it? Yeah, but they're just lines. Somehow, lines. yeah, somehow, most of the things that we can feel that it's art for the sake of art, um, they are believed that those are like geometric signs that were seen by shaman from the trance state. Because uh -huh. when they have a cultural night, the shaman can go into trance, then he start having some visions, visions 
then he could tell or he could use in specific healing rituals that what are the sisters saying or how, what are they saying to and and it looks also it looks like they um have come back and like repainted it again you know you know what i'm saying because the tail seems faint yeah but the around this the edges here it's very yeah strong i understand but i i would notice also that you see that there was a leech that was flowing that oh. made the tail to fade oh yeah i would yeah, say yeah, it yeah, was yeah. painted on the same time just because of from the other side the leech flowed water washed it a bit interesting yeah and that leech that's rainwater but it comes down through cracks, here yeah, through the, the cracks. cracks yeah yeah and down the there because uh -huh. when you look down there yeah yeah that's it's in good condition eh? yeah it's in good condition yeah and the depiction you can see that the rhinos from the back of the behind the rhinos that's a buffalo down below the buffalo it's an island and top left it's a huge zebra with stripes then next to the crack it's another rhino then between the rhino in the buffalo, there's an outlined zebra. Oh, up there. Yeah. Between this whole Tutilo area, there's around... 4,500 paintings. Paintings. In 400 sites. In 400 sites? Yes. That's a lot of rock art, eh? Yeah. That's a lot of... Yeah. These guys were living here. <laughs> Jeez. So there you have it. We'd really like to thank our guide, Lepang for his energy and enthusiasm and let's be honest his patience as we uh, hobbled our way to the top of the male hill uh, but what a, an amazing guide so into what he does you know Lepang's ancestors would have been using these hills for spiritual value and for him they still have an incredible importance in his life and for me that's special you know that really is inspiring when it comes to real authentic african experiences so well done lapang so if you're interested in visiting Tsodilo hills there's a few ways that you can get there uh, one is by self-driving so if you're if you've got a two by four even you don't need a four by four you can drive from maun which is the gateway to the okavango uh, the drive will take you just over four hours to get to the area around Tudilo Hills, possibly another one hour to get to the hills themselves. You can also actually reach Tudilo Hills just on a day trip by helicopter from any one of the luxury camps within the Okavango Delta. Um, if you just want to have a quick look at the paintings and, and, and head back to your, your luxury camp. Um, but we stayed at Namasiri Island Lodge, which is located on this beautiful fossil river, which connects to the to the panhandle of the Okavango Delta. It's actually got its own airstrip, so you can fly into in, from any other camp, or you can actually drive up from Mount and they'll pick you up from the main road and leave your vehicle in a secure parking area. And wow, Namasiri is just a very beautiful little island lodge. Just around eight rooms, quiet, bird life galore, fishing galore if you enjoy fishing, and a perfect Okavango spot. Um, so there's a few options of, of, of getting there. And if you've got any questions at all for, for our team, please feel free to get in touch on the website or on social media. And we'll happily guide you in the right direction. Thanks guys so much for listening. And we hope you will be back again soon.